I've done so much interpersonal work that when I think back to the beginning stages, I can see so clearly how hard the universe was working for me and how effortlessly it all fell together. Hi friends, welcome to the Calm Collective Podcast. I'm Cassandra and I am so grateful that you're here with me today, this morning, or whenever it is that you're listening to this episode. It's about 9am for me here in Chicago. I'm sitting with my coffee and I just finished um, a meditation practice I've been doing this guided meditation by Sarah Blondin. I don't know if any of you have heard of her. She's amazing. Um, There's an app um, that I will link in the show notes where she basically comes on and she reads her poetry that is just next level. And there's some really beautiful music that's accompanied with it. And it just like transcends me into this different place. I've been listening to one or two in the morning and I generally fall asleep to one every single night. So definitely check that out. Also, uh, there are so many good things that are coming to the podcast. Uh, Just about two handfuls actually of amazing, inspiring women that will be joining the show over the course of the next two months that just will no doubt bring a lot of knowledge and self-empowerment to any of you who tune into the show. These women know their stuff, and what I love most is that they've lived what they teach. There's, there's something about that detail when I hear that someone who's teaching has actually lived through what it is they're advising on. It just changes something for me. Do you feel that way too? Do you know what I mean? I think I think that's why I loved my college as much as I did. Um, For those of you who don't know, I went to Columbia, downtown Chicago, which is a big liberal arts school. And I remember catching on early my freshman year to the fact that every single one of my professors was directly tied to what it was that they were teaching in some way. Like my English teacher was a published poet and my human sexuality teacher was a transgender. Um, my events marketing teacher was one of the leading philanthropists in the city. Um, my dance teacher studied ballet in New York. And I mean, when we teach what we know, what we've experienced, rather than just what we were taught, I just feel like something bigger cracks open. Okay, anyway, before we dive into today's episode, I just want to tell you all a couple of things. So as I mentioned before, I'm so grateful that you're here. This is by far my favorite way to connect with all of you, and I have zero intention of slowing down when it comes to this podcast. So to help it grow organically, I would just be so thankful if you would take just a few seconds after this episode to head over to iTunes and give the show a quick five-star rating and review And to say thank you, simply take a screenshot of your review and email it to me over at hello at thecalmcollective.com and I will email you a free copy of my Attainable Happiness ebook, which is usually $7. This is a 32-page ebook 
workbook filled with personal, detailed stories that I haven't shared over on the blog and how I cracked the code on living a life filled to the brim with true inner peace. I want to share that with all of you. So this is just a little gift to say thank you for taking the time. It really does help the podcast to grow organically and serves as a way for me to be able to continue to bring on amazing guests for all of you and myself included <laughs> to learn from. And most importantly, it just helps the podcast to land in the laps of those who may need to hear it. So again, thank you so much for taking the time. It really does mean the world. Let's get into today's show. So for those of you who may not know, I am a full-time freelance photographer. That is the job that pays my bills. That is what takes up most of my time. So if you follow along on Instagram over at the Calm Collective, you may have seen a few days ago that I shared some of my photography work over on that account. I've been having this, I guess let's call it an identity crisis, when it comes to dividing my art of photography and my art of mindfulness and writing. I was on a really lovely date last week when I brought this up, and through that conversation, I realized that there isn't anything stopping me from sharing my photography. I'm simply standing in my own way and creating these silly rules about having to keep them so intensely separate. So I started sharing. I let go of the notion that the Calm Collective Instagram must only be compiled of images of my face and Instead, I started merging images that I've taken while traveling, portraits that I've taken of some really beautiful souls, landscapes that left me feeling breathless and accompanying those images with the words that I want to write, whether that's poetry or just thoughts on anything from self-worth to abundance to manifestation to mindfulness. Who says you can have one but not the other, right? My two artistic worlds collided last week and it feels really, really good to just let go of the rules and just be. I can be a photographer and a writer. I can have the Calm Collective and Cassandra Photo. They can coexist and I have this really intense feeling that I'll be better for it. So speaking of Cassandra Photo, this is my photography business. Uh, This is what I wanted to talk about on today's episode. Over on that platform, I get a lot of emails like, a lot (laughs) from people who are wanting to start their own photography company and are curious as to how I started mine. I remember being in that space and I'm going to talk about that as we get into the episode, but just being in that space of like wishing that I had someone just to completely, just to tell me step by step what they did and how they did what they did. Um, And I probably have written a response to those emails over like 300 times over the course of the past nine years. So I just started thinking I should probably record a show about that. It's much, much easier. The truth is I really love the way that my business unfolded even more so now that I recognize how in flow I was when it all started nine years ago. I've done so much interpersonal work that when I think back to the beginning stages, I can see so clearly how hard the universe was working for me and how effortlessly it all fell together. Now, that's not to say that my journey has been effortless. No, 
Owning a business is hard work and it takes a lot of dedication, discipline, and patience. Way more than I had anticipated. But those beginning stages that that first year especially were really, really sweet. So let's start from the beginning. My story doesn't start with someone handing me a camera or my grandfather handing me a camera. There's so many of those. And I remember I used to feel envious of like these people who had a photographer in the family who like assisted them in the process. Um, I actually just started with a red Kodak point and shoot that I had. I don't know if I got it like for Christmas one year or like, I don't remember if I bought it with my allowance. It was nothing fancy, but there's a specific moment that stands out in my mind. We used to go to Minnesota every year to my uncle's lake And I was out on a boat, I was out on the pontoon with my parents and some of my family, and I had just been taking pictures of the water and the sunset. And I remember, I think it was my mom, I remember my mom looking through um, the pictures, because it was digital, and her saying, whoa, what made you take that? That's a really good photo, what made you take that? So this was the first moment where I realized that I was being encouraged to pursue something. I still get this really beautiful feeling inside my soul when I think of that moment. It's just, to me, that's just good parenting, recognizing a child's art and pushing them along forward by encouraging them and telling them that something that they're doing is actually really beautiful. So from there, as an 11-year-old, that type of encouragement was intoxicating, so I just kept taking pictures for fun. Nothing really came out of it. But I'm pretty sure I kept the photo department of Walgreens in business over the course of the next, I don't know, like 11 years or so. Um, I ended up moving to Denver after college, and it goes without saying that the landscapes there were just breathtaking. I had another point-and-shoot at that point, but I became hyper-focused on wanting to produce high-quality images of the things I was seeing, the mountain ranges, the wild horses, the flat irons. It was just, like I said, it was just so intoxicating. So after saving for a little bit with the intention of upgrading my camera, I did just that. And I remember going to Best Buy and getting the Canon Rebel. This was back in 2009, and that camera had just come out. I was obsessed, and I'm pretty sure it never left my hands for the course of the next year. It would just like be in my purse, be in my work bag, If I left my apartment, I had that camera with me. Excuse me. I need a drink of coffee. Excuse me. So from that point on, I just photographed anything and everything I could get my hands on. All of my friends became my subjects. I love you guys. Thank you so much for putting up with me because while I loved landscapes and had begun sharing those photos on a blog that I randomly put together, I really wanted to learn the ins and outs of photographing people. It was such a different medium and I was so intrigued. So once I started photographing my friends, I started sharing those photos too. And this is where my business, it wasn't even a business at the time, but this is when photography started to take a different turn for me. I think it was after I posted images of my cousin with her husband on my blog, or maybe it was um, images that I took of my friend Chelsea, when a girlfriend back from high school called me out of the blue. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was getting on a bus 
in downtown Denver to go to a Nuggets basketball game. And I just remember being surprised to see Jess's name pop up on my phone. And in that phone call, she asked if I would be willing to photograph her wedding that coming August back home in Chicago. Like, what? Was she serious? I felt equal parts exhilarated and equal parts sick to my stomach. I felt like I had no idea what I was doing, but I just knew that I loved creating and every fiber in my body said yes. I didn't even take time to think about it. I just, I knew that I wanted to say yes. So we chatted a bit more about logistics and I ended up charging a whopping $1,000 for a 10-hour wedding day, which if you're wondering, is insanely inexpensive, but this is completely normal when you're booking your first ever big gig. And that was that. I was set to shoot my first wedding in August of 2010. So it's important to note that between the time I got this phone call and the time that the wedding happened, my dad would get diagnosed with a rare form of cancer, which I've talked about a lot on this blog, on my blog and on this podcast. Um, I would end up moving home the same month as the wedding, so August of 2010. It was all a complete blessing the way that it worked out, my leaving Denver to get invaluable time with, with him before he passed being in the same city as my first ever wedding, I was so nervous already. I didn't need to add travel nerves to the mix. And it would be the biggest gift because I would come to realize that the Chicago area was going to jumpstart my career at rapid speed after this wedding. So August comes, I shoot the wedding. It went great. It was an exhilarating experience. It was exhausting. I was just on a total high. And before posting the wedding, I decided to create a splash page website in addition to my blog, which is better for photography. And I created my own logo and then I posted the wedding. So I wanted to feel like I had something to be able to just to be reputable, um, just in case, just in case people saw these images and they liked what they saw. I wanted to feel a little bit more legit. So I honestly feel like I went to bed that night after posting the wedding, and when I woke up, I had emails from people that I hadn't heard from in years asking me to photograph their wedding, their family photos, their new baby, their kid's first birthday. I was in the mix of interviewing for what I thought was my dream job at Leo Burnett, but I decided to book these shoots over the weekend, so I ended up getting the advertising job at Leo, and each weekend, I would just go out and be photographing weddings and families one after the other. I was so busy, but I was ecstatic. I ended up hitting a really confusing major low at Leo Burnett, where I realized I was just so unhappy, which was a really weird internal struggle for me because I had never dreamed of being a photographer. I had truly only dreamed about being in advertising and getting a job at Leo Burnett for years. So to let it go after I had just landed it felt psychotic. But my soul knew I was doing myself a disservice by staying because I wasn't able to propel myself forward with my photography business due to lack of time and lack of energy that I was giving to my job at Leo Burnett. 
I would end up working on my photography site at my advertising job and feeling so consumed by the shoots that I had coming up and just wanting to edit the ones that I had already photographed. I didn't, I didn't, it's not that I didn't care about what I was doing at Leo Burnett. I just didn't have the brain space. My, my soul was elsewhere and I wasn't, I just couldn't think about anything else. So now remember, I'm living at home at this point, helping to take care of my dad and to go with him to his chemotherapy appointments. I'm doing the, rever- the reverse commute from Naperville to Chicago. I'm 23. I'm saving all of my money plus the money from my advertising job prior to leaving. I have no bills. Zero. I'm telling you this in full transparency because I know not everyone has the ability. So it's crucial that I'm 100% honest in telling my story exactly the way that it is so that you can see why it is that it worked the way that it did. I know I'm extremely fortunate, but it still was a lot of work. So I remember coming home one day. I would come home crying pretty much every single day from Leo Burnett, just feeling so depleted and confused. I had a chat with my dad about my being so unhappy and all consumed with photography and just really wanting to do nothing else. My dad owned his own business as well. And I remember he just looked at me and just said, like, life is too short. You've got to try. And if you fall, you fall. But you're supported. Your mom and I are here. You will figure this out, but you have to try. So I did. I quit my job. And from that day on, I dedicated myself to growing my photography business. If I wasn't working out at the gym, I was either shooting or working on my website and marketing my business. I'm not kidding. I had no life. It was all like I was all fitness consumed and photography consumed, but it was the best thing I could have ever done at the time to push myself forward. I was so mentally clear because I was so healthy and I was also just so passionately driven by this art. So we're into, where are we? We're into 2011 now and I'm still shooting with my Canon Rebel. I've shot two weddings and multiple families and I realized that it's probably time to invest in some new gear. I had decided to learn just about everything I knew regarding photography from a blog called Justin and Mary, which still exists, and Jasmine Starr. They were so helpful I can't even begin to explain, and so I created a business plan, and I remember asking my parents to invest in my new line of gear. They agreed, again, I'm so grateful, and I entered in with a Canon 5D Mark II, which I would later upgrade to a Mark III's, which is what I I shoot with now, and um, I invested in three different lenses and a flash. And I also got some lighting equipment. Like I got a camera bag and a Mac laptop. I was using a PC before and the Adobe suite for smoother editing processes. So now just in case any of you who are listening who want to start your own photography business, let me be real with you for a second. I didn't need all of the gear that I bought. But this was back in my days of being pretty impulsive and saying, yeah, I need this all right now. 
I wish I would have rented a few lenses before buying because A, I would have realized just because everyone else is shooting with this doesn't mean that I'm going to like shooting with this. And I also would have realized that a different lens could have served me better or um, I didn't really need lighting equipment. Um, I could have saved money due to not needing that lighting equipment. But this is how we learn and this is how we advise others, right? So now when people come to me and say like, what do I need to start with? I always say rent. Here are the lenses that I suggest that you rent with, play that you rent, play around with them and see what lands well. You're going to know almost immediately. My friend Jamie is a birth photographer and she got, she went out and bought a 24-70 millimeter lens only to realize that it just really is not that sufficient when it comes to dark lighting. So she had already invested in this lens and now she had to go through the energy of having to sell it to get something different. So my advice really quick is always to rent first. Anyway, so at this point in my work, it's just taking off. Friends are telling friends who are telling friends. And I still remember the first inquiry that I got from a stranger. I celebrated like I had just gotten into college all over again. That moment was such a sweet, sweet victory for me. And it really made me feel like I had made it. So once I was making a regular steady income, my dad introduced me to a lawyer that he knew where she taught me the essential bullet points of owning a business and becoming um, an LLC. It was invaluable. And to this day, I'm still so grateful for that meeting. I got myself set up and registered as an LLC so I could be prepared for my first tax season. Not fun. (laughs) And I just hit the ground running from there. So later that year, I would end up manifesting an apartment in the city We'll get there. And now that I had enough money to support myself in my job as a photographer, I felt like I just felt like it was time to have a space of my own. But I still wanted to be close enough to help out with my dad. Plus, he was at Northwestern for all of his appointments and his treatments. So it really worked out well for me to go to almost all of them since it was essentially just down the street. So a really quick story on my manifested apartment. I remember just like putting out into the universe. I didn't really think that way at that time, but I just remember being like, okay, I want an apartment. It doesn't need to be anything fancy, but it can't be expensive. It just has to make sense for this stage in my life. I had a journalism class with this girl, Candace, who was just so sweet. And I was on Facebook one day and just came across a status update that she had posted saying that she was looking for a roommate. I messaged her and just asked for the details. It was just so boom, boom, boom. The interaction was just really seamless. You guys, (laughs) because this was, long story short, but because this was essentially like a family friend's um, tri-level apartment, it was like a house broken into three different apartments. Because it was a family friend's of hers, she was only paying $500. She was in Lincoln Square, which is a really cute area in the north side of Chicago. And um, this brought my rent to $250. I'm not kidding. Utilities were not included, but I think that they ended up being like $50 each or something crazy like that. Parking was included. It was just out of this world. It made no sense 
So, of course, I jumped. The apartment was really cute. It had a lot of character. My bedroom was a shoebox. I'm not kidding. I could hardly move in that room, but it's still one of my favorite apartments because it gave me that independence all while living out my dream, which is, I know it's really, really, really hard for people to do that without also having another full-time job. Um, So I just feel so grateful to Candice for that opportunity. And that really was like the catalyst for how I was able to push my push my company even further because now I was introduced to like an even bigger market in the city. So about 10 months later, I lived in this apartment for about 10 months. A friend of mine was moving out of her apartment over on Southport. I loved this neighborhood so much and I also loved her roommate. I knew her as well. And at this point, my income was only getting higher each month so I could afford to spend more on rent. So before... I was paying $250. I swooped in to this apartment on Southport and was now paying $650, which is still really good, especially for that location. And I was just living with this incredible human. So still continuing to do work in book weddings and family sessions. So this is how it's all unfolding. Though I ended up moving to two different states between 2012 and, what is it now, 2018, Um, is when I moved back to Chicago. Um, Coming back here has always been like, how do I explain it? It's always just felt like the biggest hug. Old clients and new clients welcome themselves into my life. And it's with that sense of ease of how things just flow when I come back to Chicago that I know I'm living out my purpose and my soul's calling to create this art. Because I will say, having your own company... Um, I, well, I can only speak for photography really, but having your own photography business and moving is so hard. I had no idea how hard that would be. South Florida, it was so difficult. Northern Michigan was the most difficult of all. I just, I just really feel grateful for my community in Chicago and like I said for for the ease that comes from being in this city I really feel like this is where I'm meant to be um and to be able to do other types of photography through traveling so it's kind of like the best of both worlds so I feel like I feel like with any sort of art it changes it changes as I change right? It shifts as I shift. It grows as I grow. And my art today doesn't look like anything like it did back in 2010. I've, I've learned what I love to photograph and what I don't, what lights me up and what dims my light. And I've learned that in addition to shooting, I really want to teach not so much the technical side of things, but the connection side of things, how to vibe with your clients to create an experience that they'll talk about for years, therefore getting you more and more business, all while staying centered and grounded into what really lights you up, things of that nature. So 
side note, I'm actually going to be hosting a free webinar coming up in the next couple of months. So if that's something that interests you, you can head over to my website, cassandra-photo.com and sign up for the monthly newsletter to stay informed on when that will become available. You'll also receive my free nine-page guide on all of the camera gear that I use and why. So I'll be sure to link that site in the show notes if you want to sign up um, to be notified on that free webinar. But I've also learned that having a support system is the biggest blessing in my life and that without my parents and those initial clients that took a chance on me, Jess and Pat, calling out to you, I love you guys, um, who knows if I would have mustered up the courage to do this for myself. It takes one person, it takes one person to just lightly tap you and push you off the ledge for you to be like, oh, I can totally do this. So a message to any of you who want to take that leap, find your support system first and foremost. Yes, you have yourself and that's amazing, but really having that support and having that team around you is huge because this is a really taxing experience. It's a gratifying one, but it's taxing and you're going to need that support. Put your toe in the water. You don't have to, you don't have to dive in headfirst. That was just my nature back then. You do not have to dive in headfirst. And remember, I did have a full-time job prior to taking my photography business full-time. And the minute that I couldn't stand it anymore, I left. I built up that emergency financial fund. I lived at home. I did things that maybe didn't feel or look all that glamorous to get to the point where I could dive into the dive into the water and just not look back. So take it day by day. Trust your process. If it flows, trust that. If it's stagnant, trust that too. If it's stagnant, you might need to just take a step back and seeing what isn't working and what you need to reevaluate. It's also really important to to say that I don't have any shame around how I got started. I have no shame around the fact that I was living at home from 23 from 22 to 23 and saving my money. I have no shame around the fact that my parents invested in my company so that I could get my lineup of gear to be able to propel me to the next level. I have no shame that I was living in a shoebox apartment for 10 months so that I could live downtown and expand my clientele all while saving money. I have no shame and no matter where you are on your journey to becoming an artist, you shouldn't either because what you're doing, what you're doing, wanting to live your art and live your dream and create something for yourself is so, so brave. So the good news here is even if you feel like you don't have a support system just yet, you do have me. I completely support your decision to create for a living, to create your best life through your art. And I'm always here for any encouragement that you may need. You know where to find me.